0: Well, hi, it's Mike and Angela. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk about working up a sweat, Canadians at a tropical resort, and about how God can help us make it through and persevere.
1: Welcome back to Table Talk with Mike and Angela.
0: Welcome to Table Talk with Mike and Angela, a weekly conversation focused on helping you understand more about the Bible, faith, and what it means to live a faithful life. And now... Here are your hosts, Pastors Mike Holly and Angela Martin. Well, Angela, the last of the 10 words from Darren Spoo in his book is sweat. Uh, Here in Alabama, we know a little bit about sweat, don't we? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It is hot (laughs) and it is humid in our summers here. And sometimes it's even hot and humid in the fall and the spring. Yes. For us, it is unbearable. There are days in which... You know, we just would rather go somewhere north, except for the fact that all the tea is usually unsweet. <laughs> yeah. You And know, without ice. And without ice too sometimes, <laughs> that's right. So, um, you know, what's amazing to me is that it's kind of based on your perception or your, your perspective, because, you know, there are people who would love to live in a climate like this. I mean, think about all the people that moved to Florida To retire. You know, several years ago, Julie and I vacationed in Mexico in January. Uh, We were down there just for a few days. And you know, what was interesting is that most of the people that were in that resort were from Canada. They were all these people all down there uh, vacationing from the, um, you know, unbearable, frigid winter that I can't Mm. even imagine. And there they were soaking up every ounce of sunshine that they possibly could. So I, I guess it is a matter of perspective in terms of, you know, uh, sweat for some people would be a blessing. And for other people, it is the bane of our existence.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. It uh, Perspective is everything, right? Uh, and Spoo begins this chapter kind of um, setting us up with a particular perspective about life as he goes into this. Word of Sweat. Uh, He introduces this by talking about some research that was done at Jerusalem's Hadassah University. Uh, They interviewed 271 people who had experienced a near-death event uh, but had lived to tell about it. And uh, as they each told their stories, they all recounted what researchers uh, came to call a life review experience, Hmm. or LRE. Uh, In other words, their life flashed before their eyes. And a lot of those people credited that LRE as an event that then transformed their perspective on life. And within that research, uh, they also discovered that the last area of the brain to shut down during death is the region of the brain responsible for our autobiographical information. Ah. And so it seems that as a person approaches death, God gives us one final gift in that we receive this ability to see all of our life in one single frame. Uh, But, you know, is there a way to see our lives from this powerful perspective without the inconvenience of dying? (laughs) Um, And and what impact might it have on our lives if we could behold all of our life as one comprehensive and clear picture? Mm. And so Spoo begins by saying, you know, the beginning, the truth is, that life is a gift. Um, Other ancient cultures besides the Hebrews had their own explanations for the origins of life. uh, And most of those centered around the belief that humans were created to serve the gods. But of course, we know when we read scripture, the Hebrew creation account turns that totally upside down. The Bible tells us that humans were not created to provide for God, but that instead, when God placed us on the earth, placed people on the earth, He did so with the intent of providing for us all the good that we could ever need. And so, you know, just think about the Garden of Eden, right? Perfection, paradise, God gives everything. Food, sunlight, space, companionship, clear commands. Um, All of this set Adam and Eve up not to sweat at all. Mm -hmm. They could just reap the benefits of living in this paradise without effort. right? They could enjoy the richness of God's world. God gave himself to creation, and in that, Adam and Eve had this uninterrupted access to God Himself, You know, imagine the joy of that kind of existence.
0: Exactly. And you think about sort of how Adam and Eve are created to be in relationship with God and to be partners with God and to be friends with God. And it just makes so much sense that, you know, we are relational people as well. And, you know, you kind of look at what all this is building up to about how God, God as you said, God gives everything. Uh, to Adam and Eve, and he gives them such a a rich and wonderful existence in the garden. I mean, their creation was an act of love. Uh, It was an act of love for them, and it was an act of creating something that could love him back. I mean, it's just this beautiful relational uh, existence. Think about how many um, references there are in scripture to our being created unique, um, that we are created as um, artistic expressions of a, of a loving and creating God. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. For, uh, for uh, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, it's just amazing to consider that um, there are such minute, and amazing um, differences between even our fingerprints, uh, that there is such a difference in the DNA uh, that we are born with that makes us uniquely us. And even if we were somehow to clone someone, it wouldn't be the same person because there's even something unique about us that goes beyond uh, the, the, the letters within our DNA that makes us who we are. You're the only you that will ever exist. How is this not a gift? God has created everything on purpose. He's created us with a purpose. That includes all of us, you and me. Anyone listening to this? You know, without you, without me, the world wouldn't be the way it should be. Um, everything has a purpose and a a plan and a way to fit in with uh, all of that. We're recording this almost at Thanksgiving. And, you know, right around the corner, people are going to start watching a lot of these holiday and Christmas movies. And I think about It's a Wonderful Life. Mm -hmm. You know, here's a guy who thinks the world will be a better place without him. And, oh, was he wrong. You are the only you that will ever exist. I am the only me that will ever exist. This is such a gift.
1: Yeah. And God created Adam with a purpose, right? Uh, When God created Adam, God gave him clear instructions. Uh, Yes, he could enjoy all the benefits of this perfect paradise. And yet he was not permitted just to live a life of leisure. God did give him responsibilities, He was supposed to work and to watch over God's creation. And it's where we get our idea of stewardship from. You know, Adam was to be a good steward of the earth and take care of it. And, you know, perhaps God wanted Adam to uh, expand the garden. Uh, And in that way, God's design and man's desire together could conquer and and craft the entire planet uh, into perfection. And God gives all of this uh, a desire to create something good from the world around us. Spooz tells a short little story about three workmen on a building site uh, where a visitor to the building site asks each one of them what they're doing. And the first man responds that he is laying bricks. And the second man responds that he is building a church. The third man responds that he is building a house for God. And Spoo reminds us through this story that the first man, uh, by his answer, told us that he had a job. He laid bricks. The second man had a career in building churches. But the third man had a calling. He was building a house for God. The third man saw his life and his task and God's world for the gifts that they are. And so this bricklayer builder then has something in common with Adam the gardener, you know, they were made to work and watch over all that God had given him as a simple way of honoring his creator. And no call of God is a small thing. We all have that calling within us from God, and every vocation matters. If you think about it, the very word vocation resembles the word vocal. Uh, In fact, they share the same root word, vocare, which is a Latin word meaning calling. Um, And so in essence, God speaks, we listen, and then we experience through our giftedness the beauty of, like you said, just being ourselves and being who God created us to be.
0: And, you know, you think about that, that third man, he had a calling. Like you said, I mean, we, we have a calling. We all have a, a way in which we are uniquely supposed to serve. Uh, by the Holy Spirit, we have a shared calling you know, a general calling that we're supposed to be disciples of Jesus, we're supposed to follow in his footsteps. But even through that and beyond that, we each have a unique and special calling that is tailored just for us. Now, the question that follows that is, how do I find that calling? What do I do? Where do I look? How do I uh, prayerfully discern what that calling is? And so Spoo has a couple of, uh, of suggestions for us. The first is, Uh, We've got to listen to the passions that God has put within us. Uh, They may be clues to what our calling might be. You know, we have had several people in our church where we both work uh, who have done a lot of work in the areas related to their career. They have uh, served in the financial sector in their career, and so they've been on our finance teams or our stewardship teams. We've had people who are teachers, uh, and so they have sometimes volunteered as Sunday school teachers or vacation Bible school volunteers, but their passions weren't always the same as their career. And once they started serving out of their passions, they found something bigger than they could even describe. And that word that they couldn't reach for was a calling. Mm-hmm. You know, they were finding a calling as they went and and, and really served out of those deep passions within them. Next, uh, Spoo says that we are sh- are supposed to give attention to our natural abilities. So yes, we go back to career, but we also go back to the other things that, you know, we are skilled with. I mean, think about how some people aren't just musically um. Uh, talented. I mean, even without practicing, even without, uh, doing much training, they just have a knack for it and they can learn, you know, a musical instrument, or they can memorize a song just more easily than some other people. Mm -hmm. And that is a natural ability that could be used in some way by God for the blessing or the benefit of others. So sometimes we need to look at those special natural abilities. God gifted us with that, um, And it can be used in some way. It doesn't always have to be connected to our passions, but wow, think about if those natural abilities match up with our passions, Mm -hmm. you know, almost unstoppable in the ways in which we can serve. So finally, um, you know, Spoo says that all of that's good, you know, to know our passions, to know our natural abilities, but the third thing we've got to focus on is noticing the opportunities that God sends our way. Now, this is one of the things that I have a hard time with because I usually uh, go around this world focused on what I am doing and not really thinking about the world around me. I am guilty of going on autopilot when I'm driving. And I end up going to work to the church when I'm not supposed to be going to work. I end up, you know, going to the grocery store when I should be going mm-hmm. to the, you know, sports store. <laughs> I just sort of go into that autopilot. And I do that sometimes in my own life. And, I, you know, God bless me with a wife who does pay attention to the world around her. And often she's the person that sees the things that I miss. And so, you know, I'm trying to work on that to look for more of those opportunities around me because I know I'm missing them. But you know, in a way God sometimes puts these opportunities in front of us for us to then discover that our passions and our natural abilities have real-world tangible applications that if we slow down enough and we can connect the dots, then we can sometimes find not just an overall calling, but a calling for that very moment. You know, that God put us in a certain time in a certain place so that we could answer His nudging and say, Yes, I will courageously, bravely, and faithfully take the step you're wanting me to take.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and so often those opportunities that God sends our way are tailored to our uniqueness. You know, God speaks to us in a way that we can hear it. Uh, And so, gosh, it is so important that we remember that life is a gift and that we should enjoy our uniqueness. You know, relish in the God who gives good things to you and through you.
0: Right. (laughs) And of course, as always, there's more to the story. There are more things to be said about sweat. Uh, So before we move on, let's check in with Stanley and JT and hear about another highlighted ministry.
1: During the month of November, Bluff Park United Methodist Church is participating in our annual Blanket Drive for the Homeless. And if you would like to participate in this cause, you can drop off your blankets at the church office between 8 and 4, Monday through Friday, or in the Sanctuary Narthex on Sunday mornings. And if you have any questions at all about this, please call the church office.
0: Well, Angela, life is a gift, but there's more to the picture, more to the story uh, than just that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if we are to see the full and true picture, uh, then we must embrace the reality that life, unfortunately, is lived under a curse. And worst of all, this curse is really our own doing. Um, and this gets us to our key verse for this chapter, really. Uh, and that single word uh, that we've been mentioning all along is there. Uh, the key verse is Genesis 3:19. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. The mention of sweat in Genesis 3 represents more, of course, than just the physical act of perspiring. Sweat indicates stress. It indicates the strain of life and the pain of life. Uh, It indicates those things that we lose sleep over, the things that we lose confidence about. Uh, the things for which we lose patience and peace. Uh, Even though life remains a gift, life is somehow tainted with a curse, this curse of hard-labored existence. Uh, And it's like every pleasure is tinged with a little pain. Um, A Reminds us of the story of Mel Blanc, who was the voice of Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig. And he, Mel Blanc, loved his job. uh, And he wanted, he was kind of a perfectionist, and he wanted every sound that that Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig made, he wanted it to come from him. Um, And so, for instance, when Bugs Bunny is chopping on a carrot... You know, it, it's Mel Blank that's chomping on the carrot, right? But Mel Blank did not like carrots. And so uh, the story goes that, you know, he's chomping on the carrot and chewing on the carrot. And then they would have to pause the recording of that so that he could spit the carrot pulp out in a wastebasket, right? Because he didn't like carrots. Uh and so, it, you know, it just goes to show that, that, yes, we might enjoy our job and what we do, but there are certainly parts of it that we dislike, and, and such is life. You know, think about marriage. Marriage is a joy, but place two imperfect people— under the same roof, and you have the makings of the perfect storm. It doesn't mean you don't love each other anymore or that you don't want to be married anymore. <laughs> it just means there is work to do, right? There, There's pleasure and there's pain. Um, or parenting. Parenting is a pleasure. And then your sweet little babies grow up to be teenagers or, you know, whatever. I, I remember uh, being a young parent and Thinking, I, I, and I don't know what I thought the magical age was, but I thought somewhere along the way it was it was going to be easy, you know. I, all the the problem, like I I thought I would never get out of the butt wiping, tie shoeing, tie, shoe tying, can't speak phase. I mean, I I just thought that was going to go on forever, um, and I thought it was going to get easier at some point, but somebody forgot to tell me that you know as you're as your kids grow up, you're just trading up for bigger problems, right? You know, so there continues to be this pleasure along with the, the pain of loving your children.
0: I heard someone uh, recently say, I love being an American. I just hate paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, right. there, there is pleasure beauty can... and there is struggle and yes. sometimes they are related. Um, I think of how wonderful it is to see how deeply someone loves another person mm-hmm. and and just how much of a gift that is to, to love and be loved like that. But then, like you said, there's the curse. There's the negative side. And maybe it's not so negative, but it's the consequence of loving so deeply. And that is mm-hmm. that if you survive your spouse, meaning that they pass away before you do, and you have lo- loved them that deeply it is heartbreaking. Um, There's a a relationship between the love shared and the pain of loss. You know, the deeper the love, the more difficult the pain. That doesn't mean that you can't still have hope and um, being comforted um, to focus on the thankfulness that you have, that they were in your life. All of those are, are definitely what people of faith do. That's how we react. That's how we move forward in healing. But that is over and above the pain that's still there. You know, we've got the the blessing and the curse both are sort of mixed together in our existence as human beings. And the danger I think lies in when we give in to the pain, or we allow ourselves to become trapped in in all of that negativity or that curse. The pain can still be there, but the beauty is still there as well. Uh, You know, one of the things that Spoo sort of says is, like it or not, God's gift of life and the curse of sin occupy the same space in the single frame of our existence. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, the gift of life evokes joy, But then the curse inspires the complaint. And we have to work really hard to stay focused on an attitude of gratitude for all that God has given us. Um, There's the story of Christy Brown in the book, who was born with cerebral Palsy in 1932. Uh, he was born with little more than the ability to move his left foot. And the doctors encouraged his parents to institutionalize him. Uh, they didn't think he could have much of a life, uh, but his parents refused to do that. And one day, as Brown was lying on the floor of his home, one of his siblings dropped a crayon near his foot. And he stretched his foot and picked up the crayon. And he began to move and manipulate the crayon between his toes. And a writer was born. Uh, and from that experience and with the help of specialized computers, Brown wrote multiple books using only his mind and the big toe of his left foot. Now that is Perseverance, Mm -hmm. right? Um, (laughs) Dealing with all of that and still finding some way to use the gifts that God has given you. But um, because life is a gift that has been cursed, we too must become people of perseverance. We can't always decide what happens to us, but we all have this ability to decide what happens within us as we face what Spoo calls the gift yet curse of life. And we see this uh, mirrored in Scripture. Uh, Think about Elijah. You know, he pressed on even though he was depressed. Jeremiah remained true to his convictions even though he was labeled unpatriotic and heretical. Um, There's Nehemiah who continued to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem even as people around him tried to tear him down. And um, there's a quote, it's attributed to Abraham Lincoln and Winston Churchill, but uh, the quote is, success is going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. That's a good quote. And while we don't know which one said it, they both certainly embodied that truth during their difficult times.
0: You know, it um, just so happened that last night when I got home from a late meeting at the church, I walked in and my wife and my kids were watching a movie about a young girl who had learned to play chess. And she actually got to compete in some sort of um, international chess tournament. Well, she ended up losing. And she was told by her coach at that point so you lost. Now you know that there is a way to get around that, or you can go back and learn from that and figure out a way to win. And so towards the middle or the end of the story, um, she is getting better and better and stronger and stronger because she, even though she lost and she felt sad about that, she was able to sort of have this new perspective that if she puts in a little sweat and keeps going, she can... You know, take those defeats and turn them into new ways to win, and it makes me think about the disciples uh, from from not only uh, from what Spoo says, but just in all the encounters in the New Testament where they stumbled quite a mm-hmm. bit and made a lot of errors. They struggled staying faithful to Jesus. You know, think about in the garden how they struggled to stay awake, um, and how at his crucifixion, they struggled and really failed at being there and staying there. You know, they fled uh, out of fear. And, you know, we we remember what Jesus said in John 15, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. And so he, Jesus, often, uh, you know, calls upon, especially the disciples, but also us to find ways to persevere and just accept that there's gonna be resistance. Expect that it's gonna require sacrifice and perseverance. We are given the gift of his presence, we are given the gift of his commands and his direction, and we are given the gift of life itself. But we've got to also put skin in the game. Under this curse that we live under, we have to persevere through our sweat. Um, The word sweat, at least in our English versions of the Bible, appears only twice as a noun in the scriptures. The first is when Adam and Eve caused a curse to fall on God's gift of life. Exiled from Eden, they secured for themselves and their uh, posterity lives of stress and strain. Perseverance was then required to meet and conquer life's challenges. They were told that when they left the garden, it was going to be hard. Mm -hmm. They were going to have to really work at building a life. Now, the only other time that sweat appears in the Bible is in the New Testament when Jesus enters a garden and sweats it out on our behalf. He sweats as he is praying fervently to God. Jesus had invested three years in ministry, and after going through all of this work, all of these places, all of these healings, even to the point of confronting the temple and the religious leaders and all that was going on, just out of every pore of who he was, he comes to the garden to sweat it all out. Luke uh, 22 says, being in anguish, he prayed more fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground.
1: Spoo introduces a word that I did not know until I read this. Uh, The word is ductility, and it is how far a physical object can be stretched before it breaks. For instance, a single ounce of gold can be stretched into a wire 50 miles long before breaking. So perseverance calls for ductility. And we see this in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Jesus stretched to the breaking point. Um, We've been saying several times that life is a gift, uh, but certainly Jesus' life was a gift to all of us. Jesus reveals God in ways never seen before. Um, You know, you were speaking about his life of ministry with his disciples, and you see within that that there were 35 miracles uh, that uh, bore testimony to the power of God flowing through his life. His healing miracles tell us that God is stronger than our pain. His nature miracles reveal God is stronger than our surroundings. Uh, Jesus had this ability to cast out Demons, which reminds us that God is stronger than any other spiritual force we might face. Three times in the Gospels, we read that he returns to life people who have died. And so this tells us that God's power is stronger than death. And Jesus' life is such a gift that he gives vitality and life to everyone he touches. But... Even Jesus um, allowed himself to fall under a curse. Of course it was our curse uh, and because of that, he endured the cross. You know to the Romans, Jesus was a potential revolutionary to be executed to the religious elites, Jesus was a heretic to be exterminated and gotten rid of. but even so, Jesus, perseveres. He does not give up until that last drop of life, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, um, is surrendered on our behalf. And in that, you know, we know that Jesus has lived our life, you know, the the gift of life, the curse of life, and the perseverance that it takes uh, to get through that. And, Through his death and resurrection, he invites us into the new, ultimate reality of resurrection for ourselves. And so this is what Spoo means by this uh, uh, existence in a single frame, that that we see the long game, that life is a gift, but yet we live and we sweat under a curse.
0: You know, this all just... You know, in a way, makes me think about the, the wise sage of the 1980s who said, "When the going gets tough, the tough get going." But, you know, we sweat when we persevere, but we don't mm-hmm. sweat alone, for Jesus went before us, and you know, took the curse upon Himself and and, and broke it. Um, it it is broken. It is somehow still with us. It is still somehow you know, a part of our existence, and yet it no longer has the power over us that it once did. We do live around it, nearby it. Uh, It is still part of, of the world that we experience, and yet at the same time, the blessing can become even more present. The glory of God and the uniqueness that He created within us can still become something more powerful than we can ever imagine. But, you know, we do have to put in a little bit of sweat equity, uh, but we don't do it alone. God is our partner in that. We persevere with the patience that God provides to us. And thankfully, a new reality of eternity has been opened through that sweat that Jesus produced on our behalf. Well, before we close out today's conversation, I think it's appropriate for us to turn back to JT and Stanley and see what else they have in store for us today. So Stanley, I was walking outside last night and it was so bright. JT, that was the moon. The moon? Yeah, some
1: people believe we visited it. Some people don't. Some people believe it's made of cheese. Some people don't. But whatever you think of the moon, it's not going anywhere anytime soon.
0: Well, Angela, we've reached the 10th word, sweat, that Jesus sweat on our behalf for us. And we also have heard that we've got to put a little bit of sweat in the game as well.
1: Yeah, that's not fun. It's not fun. (laughs) I don't like sweat.
0: (laughs) Well, you're from Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But
1: anyway, valuable life lessons, right?
0: That is right. We live with the blessing. (laughs) We live with the curse. But the blessings... Carry us through the curses and into that wonderful, sweat-free future.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, amen. We'll see you next week.